Since before we get started, I'd like to welcome everybody listening on the radio today and watching us on Facebook Live. 
The rose on the altar today is in honor of Donald and Carolyn Henson's 56th wedding anniversary, which is today. So happy anniversary to them. There'll be a congregational meeting immediately following the service today to accept nominations for consistory. The Sunday school confirmation and adult Bible study classes will all resume today on the study of the prophecy of the Bible. And please keep the family of Waveling Upperman in your prayers. She entered into Christ's care on Monday, December 28th, and her family celebrated her life yesterday. Please rise and join me in the call to worship taken from Psalm 98. Sing to the Lord a new song, for He has done marvelous things. His right hand and His holy arm have worked salvation for Him. The Lord has made His mouth known and revealed His righteousness to the nations. He has remembered His love and His faithfulness to Israel. All the ends of the earth have seen the salvation of your God. Shout for joy to the Lord, all the earth. Burst into jubilant song with music. Make music to the Lord with the harp, with the harp and the sound of singing, with trumpets and the blast of the ram's horn. Shout for the joy before the Lord, the King. Let the sea resound and everything in it, the world and all who live in it. Let the rivers clap their hands. Let the mountains sing together for joy. Let them sing before the Lord, for He comes to judge the earth. He will judge the world in righteousness and the peoples with equity. Now let us sing hymn number 151, Good Christian Men Rejoice. Welcome all the children to the front for children's chats with Carolyn.
You want to come over here so you can see the book? Come over here. My book's not very big, so you have to kind of get close. This is one of my favorite books during this time of the year. And it's called The Three Trees. How many is three? Can you show me how much is three? Awesome. You guys are great. All right. Let's see what happened with these trees. Once upon a time, there were three trees that lived on the mountain. See them? One, two, three. They're right there. And they all dreamed about what they wanted to be when they grew up. So let's see what they want to be. Look at that one tree bending over. He says, I want to hold treasure. Ah, the first tree said, I will be the most beautiful treasure chest in the whole world. Have you seen a treasure chest before? Oh, they're pretty awesome. The second tree says, I want to be a strong sailing ship. And he says, I will be the strongest ship in the world. I don't want to leave this mountain at all, said the third one. So we got one that wants to be a treasure chest, one that wants to be a strong ship. And then the third one, where does he want to stay? On the mountain, yes. He says, I want to grow so tall that when people look at me, They will raise their eyes to heaven and think of God. I will be the tallest tree in the world. Well, then one day, who came? Who does it look like came? Well, they're not necessarily mean. They just look a little gruffy. They are lumberjacks. And what do lumberjacks do? They're going to cut down all three trees. They said, one day, three woodcutters climbed the mountain with a swoop of the first man's axe. The first tree fell. And with the swish of the second axe, the second tree fell. And the third man's axe, the tree fell. That kind of messed up their dreams a little bit, didn't it? Oh, but the first tree was excited. They took him to the carpenters. And what do you think they're going to make? No treasure chest. A manger bed. A manger bed. So he couldn't understand that. First tree thought, well, I wanted to be a treasure chest. But they made me into a box that feeds animals. The second tree, what are they building? A boat, but is it a great big boat? No, it's a fishing boat. He's not going to be the strongest boat in the world. Hmm? It will be a boat. That's right. He got that far, didn't it? And he, was, he wasn't going to be as strong as he hoped to be, but he'd be a good fishing boat. He'll be a good fishing boat. Now, the third tree, they made him into boards. Well, that's not what he wanted to do. What did the third tree want to do? And why did he want to stay on the mountain? He'd be the tallest tree. And who would he be pointing to? God, that's right. So he couldn't understand what was going on. 
He said, all I ever wanted to do was point to God. Well, many, many years passed, and wouldn't you know what treasure did that first tree hold? Baby Jesus. Jesus. And that is like the best treasure ever. So he did get to hold something treasure, didn't he? The second tree did what? He's a fishing boat. And who's on that boat? Huh? Jesus was on that boat, and there was a big storm, and all that was happening, and Jesus got up and said, peace. And what happened? It was quiet. They calmed down. Exactly right. So he knew, without a doubt, he was carrying the king of heaven and earth. Mm-hmm. On one Friday morning the third tree was startled and she had a job to do what was her job going to be to be a cross wasn't it and he and she shivered as she was dragged through the angry crowd and she shuddered when the soldiers nailed the man's hands to her, and she felt ugly and harsh and cruel. But on that Sunday, what happened? Jesus rose from the dead, didn't he? But on Sunday morning, when the sun rose and the earth trembled with joy beneath her, the third tree knew God's love had changed everything. It made the second tree strong. First tree, it made it beautiful, made the second tree strong. And every time people thought of the third tree, they would think of of God and all the blessings he's given us. That was better than being the tallest tree in the world. Let us say a prayer. Dear Heavenly Father, we all have dreams on what we're going to do this next year. But we know that you have plans for us that we don't know about yet. We will trust you to lead us in the paths of of your grace and we love you and thank you so much for your everlasting son in jesus name we pray amen amen thank you carolyn what a great story for especially for a new year and thinking back on what 2020 was and what we hope 2021 to be it's a great story i've actually not heard that one before that was really really special so thank you for sharing that i was paying attention just as much as the kids there (laughs) This morning, I want to encourage you, as we do begin a new year, to continue to be in prayer for your church family, for your community. Um, obviously, 2020 was, was, is over and done with, but that, that doesn't mean the struggles and difficulties that people have faced over this past year are going to be gone overnight either. Um, so we do ask that you continue to pray for those who are in need of healing, um, especially those that are represented in our prayers and concerns list in the bulletin. Uh, we are going to continue to um, obviously keep up uh, COVID-19 protocols and those sorts of things around here. So when we do serve communion later in the service today, um, I want to invite you to remain in your pews. We are going to serve in the pews once again. Uh, and we'll ask all of the elders and the deacons that are assisting, they'll be wearing masks to help as we distribute the elements. But we do invite you to stay in your seat for that portion of the service. Um, and uh, also just want to remind you, we are still not passing the play for offering as well. So if you'd like to give 
today. Uh, the deacons will be at the doors as you exit the sanctuary, and you can give. Our offering this morning does go to support the general fund. I do want to make one note as a, as a thank you to God, but also to you who God provided through for the offering on Christmas Eve service. Uh, for those of you who know, we go, that offering traditionally goes to support Tanner's Romanian mission. And at the December consistory meeting, uh, consistory uh, voted to, to match the offering for that night, which meant that whatever was collected that evening was going to be matched out of the Warner Fund as a way to bless that, that mission project that we support so much. And if you look in your bulletin under the facts and figures at the end, uh, some of you probably pay a lot of attention to that. Some of you probably gloss over it. But if you look, uh, we collected $2,161 for Tanner's Romanian mission, which means that the gift that we give them will be over $4,000, um, uh, almost $4,500 towards Tanner's Romanian mission. So praise God for that. It's a wonderful thing. More? Oh, Connie's giving me the thumbs up. Like, that that number needs to be updated, huh? Wow. So so double the 4,500 then, uh, which is pretty amazing. So I just wanted to highlight that here because, uh, first of all, praise God for his provision. They will certainly be blessed for that. But praise God for your faithfulness and your giving and your generosity, which allowed that to happen. Which is, what a wonderful thing. And as we go into the new year, we encourage you to continue to be generous. You know, we want to we are blessed so that we can be a blessing to others and giving giving back to the church, giving back to organizations is a great way to, to live that out. So with that in mind, let's stand and continue to worship the Lord in song this morning. Uh, let's sing 10,000 Reasons. The words are in your bulletin. Worship His holy. 
you to pray with me. We do worship and praise your name this morning, Lord, that no matter what this day brings, no matter what this year brings, Lord, you are still good. You are still God. And we are so grateful that you love us and have shown us your love to your son, Jesus Christ. Lord, we know that this is the day that you have made. So help us to rejoice and be glad in it. We pray especially for those that are hurting at this time, those names that are represented in our prayers and concerns list, Lord. We ask that you would give them a strength and a peace and a joy, Lord, that passes all understanding. Lord, whatever challenges they face, we pray that you would provide for them, that you would heal those who are hurting, that you would, that you would supply and, and meet every need that they have. And Lord, in all things, more than just material or physical provision, Lord. We pray for your grace and your mercy to be known and experienced in those situations. Because, Lord, it is your mercies that are new each morning. It is your, it is your presence with us that helps us to face whatever each day may bring. And, Lord, help us to keep that in mind in all things and at all times. We thank you and praise you, Lord, for your provision for us. We know that your faithfulness in the past uh, is evidence that you will continue to be faithful for us in the present and in the future. And so we thank you, Lord, for providing for Tanners in such an amazing way through the Christmas Eve offering. We thank you for working in and through the people of this community and this church, Lord, and, and, and their generosity. And I pray that that offering would be a blessing to the Tanners as they receive it. I also pray, Lord, for your continued provision for us as a church as we enter into a new year. We pray that you continue to provide for us as you always have and ask, Lord, for, for you to bless the work and the ministry, Lord, that takes place here, not just within the walls of this church, but as we go from this place, Lord, whether we are, uh, Lord, no matter what, what title we have, Lord, as pastor, elders, deacons, as lay people, Lord, we all have a mission and a purpose uh, to serve you in this world. And so, Lord, wherever we find ourselves uh, throughout the week, in our homes, in our workplaces, with our family and our friends, Lord, help us to be a light in a dark place and help us to be the salt of the earth as you call us to be. And Lord, may people see how we live our lives and glorify you, our Father who is in heaven. 
And so we ask now for, for your continued guidance for us as we, as we begin a new year together. And we pray all these things in the name of Jesus, who taught us to pray, saying, Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom, the power, and the glory forever. Amen. Amen. You may be seated. Our scripture reading today is from Psalm 90. I know the, the individual who was scheduled to read it today was not able to be here this morning, so I was just kind of keeping a lookout to see if anybody was standing up to jump to read it, but it looks like I'll take care of it this morning. I encourage you to open your Bibles with us to Psalm 90. If you don't have a Bible with you to follow along with, you can also find it, the words printed in your bulletin. Psalm 90 says, Lord, you have been our dwelling place throughout all generations. Before the mountains were born or you brought forth the whole world from everlasting to everlasting, you are God. You turn people back to dust, saying, return to dust, you mortals. A thousand years in your sight are like a day that has just gone by or like a watch in the night. Yet you sweep people away in the sleep of death. They are like the new grass of the morning. In the morning it springs up new, but by evening it is dry and withered. We are consumed by your anger and terrified by your indignation. You've set our iniquities before you, our secret sins in the light of your presence. All our days pass away under your wrath. We finish our years with a moan. Our days may come to 70 years or 80 if, we have, if our strength endures. Yet the best of them are trouble and sorrow, for they are quickly passed and we fly away. If only we knew the power of your anger. Your wrath is as great as the fear that is your due. Teach us to number our days that we may live, may gain a heart of wisdom. Relent, Lord, how long will it be? Have compassion on your servants. Satisfy us in the morning with your unfailing love that we may sing for joy and be glad all our days. Make us glad for as many days as you have afflicted us, for as many years as we have seen trouble. May your deeds be shown to your servants, your splendor to their children. May the favor of the Lord our God rest on us. Establish the work of our hands for us. Yes, establish the work of our hands. Let's pray together. Lord God, we thank you for the reading of your word. As we, as we open up our Bibles this morning, Lord, guide us into all truth. Holy Spirit, may you soften our hearts and open our minds to what you have to say to us today. And may you give me words to speak for your church. We pray this in Christ's name. Amen. Amen. So we read the psalm this morning as Psalm 90 comes up in our, in our study. I have, to, I have to be honest with you and admit something here a little bit. I've always been a little uncomfortable with this psalm. I don't know if you guys ha, ha, get the same feeling as I do, but, but just the brutal honesty that is displayed here by the author of this psalm has always kind of caught me off guard, and it's, it's, it's kind of difficult to deal with. You know, it starts off well. You look at... You look at the first couple of verses and there's not much to argue about there. The psalmist is praising God for his, his, um, uh, his faithfulness. He's been our dwelling place throughout all generations. He praises God for his, uh, for his e- eternalness, right? That God existed before the creation was even formed. And that all starts off well and good. But then verses 3 through 11 take a little bit of a turn, don't they? The psalmist is reflecting on his own mortality and the harshness of life. 
And this is a hard topic for a lot of us to deal with, especially young people. We, we rather avoid talking about things like our own mortality than, than dealing with them head on. I know I'd rather keep conversations like that at arm's length. It's, it's just much easier to just avoid the topic than to deal with it in a straightforward manner. But that's not what the psalmist does here. He, he praises God for who he is, but then dives straight into uh, uh, his experience in life and, and the brutality and the harshness that he has experienced for whatever reason that may have been. And then what these, what these opening verses do is they set up a contrast between, between the eternal God and his finite creation. Right? God was there before the earth was formed. Yet people are like dust. They're like grass which withers and falls. God is from everlasting to everlasting. He's eternal. He has no beginning and no end. God always was, always is, and always will be. Yet our time on earth is limited. It's finite. Right? As the psalmist says, we have 70 years or 80 if we have the strength. And that, if we're honest with ourselves, is if we're lucky. Right? None of us are even guaranteed that much. None of us know how long we'll live. None of us are even guaranteed tomorrow if we're, if we're really honest with ourselves. We may not make it home from church today. And I don't say that to scare you. I don't say that to intimidate you. I just share it with you because it is the honest, brutal truth that comes up here in this psalm. All right, I presided over funerals of a 3-year-old and a 102-year-old. And I know plenty of parents who've had to cope with the tragic loss of a child who never made it out of the womb. All right, that's, that's honesty right there. That's, that's the harshness of living in a sinful and broken world. And so Psalm 90, these words that we just read are uncomfortable. And they should be. Right? They should put us, you know, they shouldn't, we shouldn't be at ease as we read those verses, especially verses 3 through 11. The psalmist is confronting us with the reality of our own mortality, and it's, and it's inescapable. Right? Like the modern-day proverb says, there are, two, there are two guarantees in life, right? death and taxes. Right? And, and the psalmist here is focusing on that first one. The contrast then brings us in our reading today to verse 12, and that's where I want to focus most of our time this morning. Verse 12 is a prayer. After reflecting on God's eternalness and, and reflecting on God's help in times of trouble the, and then on his own mortality, the psalmist makes a turn and he offers a prayer and he says, teach us to number our days that we may gain a heart of wisdom. Did you catch that? Right? The psalmist is, ends this reflection on his own mortality with a prayer, but it's not prayer for a prolonged life. The psalmist doesn't pray and ask God, make sure it's 80 or more. He prays instead that God would just help him to number his days. Be aware of the things that are being brought up here in this psalm. Being aware of his own mortality. And if we're honest with ourselves, honest with ourselves the, the difficulty that many experience in life. In other words, the psalmist is asking for help to live with the end in mind. You know what I mean by that? Living with, with the end, the, the final destination in our perspective. I've never, I've never had to build a new home. I know many of you have, have been involved in construction projects. But, but when you start to build a home, when you break ground, you better have a good idea of what the final product is supposed to look like, right? 
You know, when you build a home, you need to have, you need to have engineering specs. You need to have, you need to have blueprints. You need to have a plan in place. Because if you just go about building your home and think, well, that looks good or that wall's tall enough, you know, you're not going to end with a very good finished product. It might even be unlivable, right? You need to have, you need to have the end in mind when you're doing a construction project in order for it to be successful. The blueprints, they show you what the final product should look like. But that doesn't mean that it's all going to be smooth sailing through the project, right? Anybody who's done home improvement projects know that, that you have, even if you have a clear idea of what the final product should be, it doesn't mean it's always going to work out that way. It doesn't mean you're not going to run into the setbacks and, and bumps in the road, right? I, I know my dad has done plenty of home improvement projects, DIY stuff, and you never know what you're going to find when you knock down a wall, right? You could, you could be totally surprised by what's hidden behind that drywall or underneath those floorboards. So just because you have a plan, just because you have the destination in mind, doesn't mean it's always going to be smooth sailing to get there. But if you have no idea of where you are planning to end up, then you have no way of getting there to begin with. Sometimes plans change, but the blueprints give you an ultimate goal, something to work towards that help you, therefore, make wise decisions along the way. And that, I think, is what the psalmist is after when he prays to God, teach me to number my days. He's asking God to help him keep the end in mind. And what is that end? What is the end that the psalmist is talking about? Well, it's the same end that we all will experience. It's the same end. He faces the same end that I will face and that all of us sitting here or listening to my voice on the radio or Facebook will face. One day all of us will set aside these mortal bodies and we'll stand before our Creator. We'll enter into eternity with Christ in heaven or apart from Him in hell. And however many years we have in this life, whether it's 70, 80, whether it's more than that or less, in the blink of an eye, It'll all seem like a blink of an eye compared to eternity. Right? We, at the funeral I presided over yesterday, we sang Amazing Grace. And the last verse of that song has always hit me hard. I, in fact, I remember when I was, oh, I was in, I think, fifth grade when my grandfather passed away. And I remember at his wake, uh, we, we actually stood in the backyard of my cousin's house around this apple tree that they planted and, uh, and we sang this song. So Amazing Grace has always had kind of uh, a sentimental attachment as well as the theological significance of it. Um, <laughs> I always, I don't know if I've ever shared that story with you guys. We planted this apple tree in my cousin's backyard and, and uh, as, as a commemoration to my grandfather, they put a little uh, Irish whiskey and some pipe tobacco in the bottom of it I don't, along the roots. I don't know how well that tree survived to <laughs> that first planting. But that's what, that's what they did. But we stood around and we sang Amazing Grace. And the last verse of Amazing Grace goes like this. When we've been there 10,000 years, bright shining as the sun, we have no less days to sing God's praise than when we'd first begun. I mean, think about what those words mean. It means that after we've been in God's presence for 10,000 years, we have lost no time in eternity. 10,000 years and we'll still have just as many days to sing God's praise than when we'd first begun. And that puts our 70, 80 plus years into perspective, doesn't it? How would our priorities change if we really viewed things from that perspective? Right? What, what's, what consumes your time and your attention now? What worries keep you up at night? 
right? And how would those things change by looking at it from, from an eternal perspective, from God's perspective, rather than our own finite one? And so like the psalmist, I encourage you, as we begin a new year together, ask God to help you see things from his perspective. Ask the one who's been our dwelling place throughout all generations to help you handle whatever problems you're facing. Right? Ask the one who was there before the mountains were formed to help you navigate the challenges that you face day in and day out. Right? I'm not saying your problems will go away. Far from it. Right? I'm, not saying that, that, I'm not saying this to encourage you to avoid responsibility. Right? Don't use this as a cop-out to not handle whatever problems you're facing in a wise manner. I am encouraging you, however, to entrust yourself to God in whatever situation and circumstances you find yourself in because He cares for you. He loves you and He wants to help you face whatever problems are cropping up in your life. And He will give you the wisdom to discern, to discern between what is urgent and what is important. Because those two things aren't always the same, are they? We may be consumed by things that are urgent, but that all ultimately aren't important. And the things that are important may not always be urgent and get our attention. So God can help us distinguish between what is urgent and what is important and handle those things appropriately. 1 Peter 5, 7 uh, reminds us that we can cast all our anxiety on Him because He cares for you. All your anxiety, all your stress, all your worry, we can bring those things to God because we know that He's a God who loves and cares for His people. And in Matthew 6, Jesus reminds us of, of what that looks like. And in the Sermon on the Mount, in verses 25 through 34, Jesus tells the crowd gathered there, He says, Therefore I tell you, do not worry about your life, what you will eat or drink, or about your body, what you will wear. Is not life more than food and the body more than clothes? Look at the birds of the air. They do not sow or reap or store away in barns, yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Are you not much more valuable than they? Can any one of you, by worrying, add a single hour to your life? And why do you worry about clothes? See how the flowers of the field grow? They do not labor or spin, yet I tell you that not even Solomon in all his splendor was dressed like one of these. If that is how God clothes the grass of the field, which is here today and tomorrow is thrown into the fire, will he not much more clothe you, you of little faith? So do not worry, saying, what shall we eat or what shall we drink or what shall we wear? For the pagans run after these things, and your heavenly Father knows that you need them. But seek first his kingdom and his righteousness, and all these things will be given to you as well. Therefore, do not worry about tomorrow, for tomorrow will worry about itself. Each day has enough trouble of its own. You see how your perspective shifts when you, when you look at things from God's perspective? You see how, how, things, how, how, how the problems of today are seen in a new light? It doesn't mean that the problems are going to go away. It doesn't mean you don't have to worry about eating food anymore, right? But what the, what the promise is that God will take care of you as we, as we put our trust in Him. It may not be the way we expect it to be. It may not be what we want it to be. But God will care and provide for His people. You know, when I started planning for this sermon today, and I, I picked this passage, I wasn't exactly thinking of talking about mortality and the harshness of life as we started a new year. It probably has not been a typical New Year's Day sermon so far. Um, you know, when, we, when I first planned this out, I wasn't expecting to stand up here and say, Happy New Year, think about your mortality and how hard life is, right? But that's the reality that we live in, right? That's the... That's the the kind of year that we've all just gone through, isn't it? 
But the, and that's the way God works sometimes. Sometimes the Holy Spirit brings, passage, brings us to passages and takes us in direct, directions that we don't always expect. And so when, I, when we talk about number in our days, it's, it's, it's helping us to look at things from an eternal perspective. But I also think, in looking at, looking at the future in that sense, but I think what the psalmist is talking about here too is also numbering our days in the sense of reflecting on what we've been through as well. Numbering our days is a forward-thinking um, perspective, but it also gives, gives us a way of looking back on what we've been through and helping to see that in new light as well. We often you know, think of New Year's Day in just a general sense as a time for goal-setting, uh, for the coming year, whether we want to eat better or exercise more, or read a book. Uh, but if 2020 has taught us anything, right, it's that our plans can change in an instant. That what we plan for on January 1st may not even be a reality on February 1st or March 1st, right? That's what we all experience this year. Any, none of us predicted to go through all of the different challenges and all of the different experiences that we went through in 2020 when, the, when, when we were here at this point last year. And so this year, you know, I'm not saying goal setting is bad. I'm not saying any of those things are wrong. But I want to encourage you, don't just look ahead. As you begin 2021, whether you individually, as a family, uh, with your friends, I encourage you to take time to reflect on everything you went through last year as well. Just because the calendar flipped to 2021 doesn't mean all of those challenges are just going to go away. doesn't mean that the pandemic is over just because we have a new calendar in front of us, right? Remember when we were putting Josephine to bed on New Year's Eve, uh, she asked Allie what, what it was going to be like to wake up in a new year. And we told her, You're, it's going to feel just like it did today, <laughs> right? We're, it's not like we go to bed and all of our problems and all of our worry and all of our stress just disappears overnight, right? It's still there in the morning, right? Just because we flipped over a new calendar doesn't mean all of those things changed. But it does give us a, a marker, right? A, a, a road, um, like a mile marker on a highway to, 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 to look at and to reflect on what has gone in, on in the past and how to look forward into the future. You see, remembering, remembering itself is a theological exercise, right? Throughout the Bible, God's people are called to remember Altars are set up at particular places to remember what God had done there. Festivals and ceremonies like the Passover were instituted to help God's people remember what God had done in the past. And so to remember is to acknowledge the reality of something, right? Good, bad, or otherwise. Scripture often calls us to remember the good things that God has done, but, but it's also important to acknowledge and remember the difficult times as well. We tend to ignore that, but it's important to, to acknowledge the reality. Look at Psalm 90 again. Does he ignore the hardship? Does he ignore the problems he faced? No, in, in fact, it's the main focus of that first half of the psalm. Life is hard, and to admit anything else is plain ignorance. To remember is to acknowledge the reality of something. And when we do that, we can learn from it. We can grow. We can heal. But it doesn't do us any good to just sweep stuff under the rug and pretend it's not there. And so I want to... I want to close our time here, this portion of our service, uh, encouraging, you, encouraging you to remember 2020 and reflect on all that you've been through these last 12 months. There's a few things I want you to remember. One, remember the hard times. Like I said, don't just sweep them under the rug. Don't ignore the, the, 
the stress and the, the difficult experiences that you had. Right? If we just sweep things under the rug and ignore them, it doesn't make the problems go away. It just allows them time to fester. And, and, mount, and molehills can turn into mountains when you ignore them. But don't just remember them and dwell in the hurt and the pain. Cry out to God because He hears you. We've already talked about that. right? God cares for us so we can, we can pour out our, our, our hurt and our pain to Him and He will respond. Think of the story of Exodus chapter 3. Right? When God calls Moses through the burning bush, He says, I saw the pain that they were experiencing. I heard their cries. Therefore, I'm sending you to rescue them. And that's important, right? God hears our cries. He, he knows what we're going through. And what he wants us to do is, is bring it to him, right? That's the, that's the difference between mourning as those who have no hope, right? Grieving as those who have no hope and grieving as those who have hope in what God has done through Christ is that we can take the pain and the hardship we experience and bring it to God. Allow, allow, the, hurt, allow the hardships and the difficulties to drive you to your knees, to drive you back to Christ rather than away from him. In Isaiah chapter 43, verses 1 and 2, it says, Now this is what the Lord says, He who created you, Jacob, he who formed you, Israel, do not fear, for I have redeemed you. I have summoned you by name. You are mine. When you pass through the waters, I will be with you. When you pass through the rivers, they will not sweep over you. When you walk through the fire, you will not be burned. The flames will not set you ablaze. Think about what those words, what that promise is. The promise is that you're not going to have to ford the river. The problem isn't that you will never experience the hardships of, you know, walking through the fire. The promise is that God will be with you through it. So don't just acknowledge them and acknowledge the hard times and leave it at that. Ask God to help you see how he was working in and through those difficult times because God can bring good out of our suffering. Right? We see that in Scripture, that God can use all things together for the good of those who love Him and have been called according to His purpose. Which means that God can use even those hard times from these last 12 months and bring some good out of it if we allow Him to do it. That's why the New Testament says in a couple different places like Romans 4 and James 1 that we can rejoice in our suffering. Which makes no sense from a worldly perspective. How do we rejoice in suffering? Well, we rejoice because we know that even in suffering, God is with us and at work. So we need to remember the hard times, but we also need to remember the good times too. 2020 wasn't all doom and gloom. It wasn't all bad. There were some good things that came out of it too, and don't forget that as well. So reflect on the good moments and be thankful. One thing that I learned this past year is the importance of, of relationships, right? Family, friends, within the church family. Relationships that I often, for lack of a better, to, to be completely honest, took for granted at times, Right? But when those things were removed, when they were taken away, then, then you really felt the force of it. And so don't take those things for granted. Remember the good times and remember what you've learned. Ask yourself, where was God working this year? And how did God bless you through that? Blessings are sometimes uh, imperceptible, right? We, God, God blesses us, but sometimes we don't see it because we don't take the time to slow down and look for it. And so I encourage you to do that. Slow down and look for the blessings. Where was God at work this year? And how, did, how was God blessing you through it all? And the last thing, remember the most important thing of all. Through the good times and through the bad, God's goodness is not dependent on our circumstances. He is the same yesterday, today, and forever. 
So no matter what you went through, whether, this, whether 2020 was awful, whether it wasn't so bad, know that God is the same in 2020 as he was. As, God was the same in 2020 as he will be in 2021. He is faithful. He is good. In the, in the very center of the book of Lamentations, which is about the destruction of Jerusalem and the, in the, in the judgment that fell on that city, the prophet Jeremiah says this, This I call to mind, and therefore I have hope. Because of the Lord's great love, we are not consumed. For his compassions never fail. They are new every morning. Great is your faithfulness. I say to myself, the Lord is my portion. Therefore, I will wait for him. I encourage you to wait on the Lord this year. As, as we turn this calendar over, I encourage you to number your days again. And, and not, don't just wait for January 1st to do it every year, but take time each day, each week to reflect on God's goodness and reflect on, on who he is, what he's been doing for you, and do it from God's perspective, from that eternal perspective. Let's take a moment and let's pray. Father God, we thank you for your word. We thank you that, that you do give us a different perspective. We sometimes get distracted and lost looking at things just from our own circumstances, our own, our own finite reality. Lord, help us to number our days that we may gain a heart of wisdom. Help us to begin this new year, Lord, not ignoring all that we went through last year, but learning from it and asking you to guide us once again in whatever 2021 may bring. We pray these things in Christ's name. Amen. As we prepare our hearts for communion this morning, I encourage you to stand. Let's sing about God's goodness. The praise song uh, is the goodness of God. It's in your bulletin.
helping with communion come forward at this time. Oh, oh sorry. You guys can stay there. <laughs> sorry. I just want to make sure all the deacons and everyone are up here. Um, let's take a moment. Let's, let's pray and let's prepare our hearts. One of the things that communion does, I talked earlier about how, how um, remembering is a theological exercise. Well, God has given us something to help us to remember, and that is communion. Right, think about what Jesus said on the night that he shared this meal with his disciples. He said, this is my body, this is my blood. And he said, do this in remembrance of me. Right, so when we, when we take the bread and we take the juice, we're, we're remembering what God has done for us in Christ. And it reminds us of two things. And I've, I've stated this before and I'll state it over and over again. Communion helps us to remember two things. One is our own sinfulness. It's a time for us to take stock in our own lives and, and acknowledge and recognize the ways that we have fallen short of God's glory. Scripture says that all have fallen short of God's glory, that, that there is no one righteous, not even one. And so we're all in the same boat in that sense, right? We're all sinners in need of a Savior. And communion is an opportunity for us to pause and reflect on that. So as you take the bread and take the juice this morning, as you listen to the words of the song, take time, take stock of your own life and, and ask God to help you to see where those things are in your life that need to be changed, where God's Spirit can, can work in us to transform us and make us more and more into His image. And the second thing that communion helps us to remember is that even though we are sinners, that Jesus Christ is the Savior that we need, that we can't save ourselves, but God has reached down into our lives, into human history, and saved us and redeemed us through Christ and His death and His resurrection. And so not only do we think about the ways that we've fallen short, but we can also be filled with gratefulness and joy because of what God has done for us in Christ. So as you take this bread and take this cup, think about those things this morning. Let's, let's pray as we pray, transition into this time now. Father God, we thank you for this, this reminder that you've given us, this symbol of, of your love for us, that while we were still sinners, Lord God, you sent your son Jesus to die for us. So we thank you for that. We pray your blessing upon this time. As we take these elements, Lord, help us to take stock, confess our sins to you, repent from those things, and turn back to you. We pray these things in Christ's name. Amen. For I have received from the Lord what I also passed on to you. The Lord Jesus, on the night he was betrayed, took bread. And having given thanks, he broke it and said, This is my body, which is for you. Do this in remembrance of me. 
In the same way, after supper, he took the cup, saying, This cup is the new covenant in my blood. Whenever you drink it, do so in remembrance of me. For whenever you eat this bread and you drink this cup, you proclaim the Lord's death until he comes. So all who have received Jesus as your Lord and Messiah, I invite you to take the sacrament to your comfort. body of our Lord Jesus Christ, which is broken for you. Feed on him in your hearts by faith with thanksgiving.
This is the blood of our Lord Jesus Christ, which was shed for you, that our sins would be forgiven. A new covenant that was made in his blood. Take and drink, knowing that he died for you. Let's pray together. Father God, we are so grateful that we can begin this new year, Lord, reflecting on your goodness and your love for us. Lord, teach us the number of our days. And part of that is reflecting on the reality, Lord, that we can't save ourselves. No matter how long we live, we can never do enough good to earn your love. But we don't have to because of your son, Jesus Christ, who died and rose again to pour out your love in our lives, that we may be forgiven and we may now live lives to honor and glorify you. Help us to do that as we go from this place today. Fill us with your spirit that we may reflect you more and more each day. We pray this in Christ's name. Amen.
Now may the Lord bless you and keep you. May the Lord make His face shine upon you and be gracious to you. May the Lord turn His face toward you and give you peace. So let's conclude our, our time of worship here this morning, but we do have our...